So, do you like to walk? Yeah. What kind of walks do you take? Walk the dog? Walk in the woods at a state park? Walk one of the many trails we have in Hamilton County? Or maybe you feel pretty good just walking around the block. Walking is a very interesting image that's used in the Bible several times to talk about a relationship with God. Remember, in Jesus' day, you walked everywhere. So I want us to, to dwell on this image a little bit and, and throughout this Lenten season to keep bringing that image back because there's so much that it speaks to. You think about if in Palestine you walked everywhere you went. Most of the time, if you traveled any great distance, you never went alone for safety reasons. So that meant you had lots of time to have conversation. It also meant that sometimes you had some rough terrain to go over if you walked over Palestine. You went up some pretty steep hills, some rough rocky terrain. Sometimes you had nice roads that had been prepared by the Roman Empire. But that image dwells with us a lot. It makes me think about some of the walks that I take with my wife. When it's warmer weather and I haven't played too much pickleball or tennis that day, we often take a walk at the end of the day. And I find those really productive. It's amazing how when you have some time and everything else is blocked out, how conversation develops and we catch up with what's going on and talk about lots of things. It's probably one of the best things we do for our relationship. Also had an experience recently that wasn't walking, but it's kind of a similar idea. Uh, I had to make a trip to Kansas City for a conference, and Donna and me, I had some other colleagues going. I thought, why should I waste the gas and just go alone? Someone else had offered rides, so I went along. And so I and this other colleague had seven hours Seven hours, that's a long time, you know? And even though this colleague was like 25 years younger than me, we had some common life experiences, and we shared and shared and just talked endlessly all the way there, and after the conference, all the way back, and we became pretty tight buddies. As a matter of fact, I just ran into this person yesterday at Urban Air and caught up and got a hug. Walking is a powerful image for us. And you'll find it's used a lot in the Bible. You know, the New Revised Standard Version has it 314 times. So if you read in the Old Testament, you'll discover that the walk, the word walk is used in the Garden of Eden. It's used to describe the covenant that God made with Abraham. Moses tells the Hebrews they must walk the precise path the Lord will make for them. The psalmist in the 86th Psalm cries out, Teach me your way, Lord, so I can walk in your truth. And what does the prophet Micah say? You know it. We're to walk humbly with our God. And we can turn to the New Testament. You find it has lots of usage there as well. It's one of the favorite images in the New Testament. Jesus heals a layman. He tells him to pick up his mat and walk. Jesus walked on water. Jesus taught the crowd that he is the light of the world and that whoever follows him will never walk in darkness. And the Apostle Paul tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. Well, this series, inspired by Adam Hamilton, will invite us to consider five simple practices that we use in our walk with Jesus. Jesus modeled these practices 
They're not exhaustive. They're not actually even rocket science. But they're foundational. They're essential to our life if we're going to grow in our faith. So this idea of walking with Jesus, we're going to lean upon very heavily. It's a simple way of thinking about our Christian life. We are followers of Jesus. We're seeking to learn from him, to emulate him, to go where he wants us to go, to walk on the journey of life with him. And you're going to find, if you study the book, there's a very simple image that's used for us. And the image is used to help remind us, because most of the time we know what we ought to do. It's just we need to be reminded to do it in the busyness of our days. And so it uses the hands. First, it uses an open hand to remind us that there are first five practices, and also that each of these five practices, we're going to hear five a challenge that includes five things to do with each of these five practices. It also offers the closed fist to remind us that for each of these expressions, each of these spiritual practices, there's a corporate, something we do together, nature to them, in addition to what we do individually on our own. So let me start out with this. And when we talk about the spiritual practice, it's about worship. And by the way, thanks to our visual arts team for giving us that image. And we got some talented people on that team. And worship is something that seems to be falling on tough times. We've talked about it before, a matter of fact, but reality exists that people that used to show up every Sunday in church now tend to be here maybe three times a month. People that used to come three or four Sundays now are here one or two times. People used to be here every week to make sure their children got the moral instruction that they need. When those children get older and start going on their own, they just don't quite feel as compelled to come to church. This is something that seems to be happening with churches all across the nation. Some see American religion starting to go the way of Europe, where you have lots of beautiful churches and cathedrals, but they become more like museums than places of worship. If you're not familiar with all the reasons that are behind that, just shoot me an email. I've done a whole sermon on it, and I can catch you up to help you understand perhaps why your children and grandchildren are not in church as often. Kerry Newoff is a pastor and prolific Christian writer, and he's recently gone from being a lead pastor of a church where he's preaching most every Sunday to being the founding pastor and teaching pastor. So on Sundays, he doesn't have that responsibility. And he started to notice something about himself. He's noticed that now he's an attender. And he's come to a conclusion. He says, now that I start to experience this reality that I've described, and I experience it myself, I don't see a real good reason to be a church attender. He says, if I'm coming to church just for me, then why to go to all that trouble? Getting the kids up and ready, feeding them. Thank goodness for those church donuts, right? Get them dressed, hop in the car, all that stress to sing three hymns, say the Lord's Prayer, and hear a message that you could just go home and stream online or hear from someone else that's got a production staff that rivals Hollywood. He says, here is the thing about church. The greatest challenge we have in the church today is that people, generations ago, the church was the primary social and cultural hub as well as being a missional hub. 
So in addition to the faith reasons, people love to go to church because that's where you made your social connections. That's where you connect with God and with others. And now we live in a society that's drowning in options for what to do with our free time. And the internet makes all things available Christian 24-7. I can learn what I need to learn about God in the comfort of my own home without the help of paid professionals at the local church. And that's why we need to become more than attenders of worship for it to mean something. And let me give you two good reasons to make that trouble of coming to church. For first of all, it's Jesus' idea. Think about what he did. He worshiped all the time. He gathered 12 disciples around him because worship's not something you do by yourself. And everywhere they went, whether teaching, blessing, and healing others, they were worshiping 24-7 constantly all the time. I'd even suggest to you that the birth of Jesus is a time of worship because what did God do? He sent wise men from the east to bring their gifts of myrrh, frankincense, and gold. He sent angels to bring shepherds so that both high and low were present at the birth of Christ to bring worship to him. Worship is Jesus' idea. And as much as Jesus despised the religious authorities and how they had corrupted religion, we see that Jesus participated in all the formal religious observances of his day. We know that he made three trips to Jerusalem for the Passover feast, an annual event. We talk about him turning over the tables of the money changers and the anger that he had, but you need to remember he went to the temple to pray. And his anger was because he saw the abuse that was taking place within it for what should be a place of prayer. Jesus went to the synagogue. We have ten recorded occasions in Jesus' ministry that took place in the synagogue. The Gospels record that Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogue, so he did it even more than that. And the synagogue was just not simply a place to share God's word. It was just not a community gathering place. It was a place where they worked on their relationship with God. We know that most of the practices we do today are based in the early Jewish practices in the synagogue which became the early practices of the first century Christian church. And we do so many of those things, same things still today. See, the new community of Jesus Christ was born out of the synagogue. Believers were to become assemblies, not single individuals seeking God alone. But notice every occasion we have, there is no mention about the building. The synagogue wasn't about the building. It was about the gathering of the community. That's what makes church church. It's about the people, not the place. Church is, the, is Jesus' idea because he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. And that's the second point. The second reason we should be here is because we are the church. It happens when we gather together. And that's one thing that online worship cannot recreate. And so that means we've got to get rid of this consumer mentality that church is about what I get out of it. We have to also think about what we give to it, how we engage in worship, how we connect with others. When you join your voice with others in the praise of God, you're declaring that someone besides me is in charge of the world. 
It puts God back in charge of our life and leads to the humility we need as we become just one of many. It's not about you. It's not about me. When you gather and surround others in these seats, you're encouraging the faith of others. We should celebrate when we as a church intentionally focus on something that may be helpful to someone who's not in church. And then worship becomes not necessarily something you get out of it, but something you bring someone to so that they get what they need. And if we're taking Jesus' word seriously, then being in the church is not just what we do on Sunday morning. It's whenever we gather, right? It's when on Thursday night when we have dinners on us right over here. We're feeding hungry people. It happens on Sunday nights when grief share gathers together and they tend to the pain of one another. It happens out at the Teeter Farm when we work and plant seeds and grow the plants that produce the food that will help feed those who are food insecure. Worship is not something we attend. It's an act of engagement whenever we gather together on Sunday mornings or the rest of the week or at the nursing home, as Aaron suggested. Okay, let's talk about the open hand. But we do, before we do so, let's watch a video that shares about some of the prayer ministries here at Noblesville First. define prayer. It can be defined as a special communication between man and God, a two-way relationship in which man should not only talk to God, but also take time to listen to him. At Noblesville First Church each week, we offer many opportunities for you to have a conversation with God. Did you know that our care team will pray with you before your surgery? And what happens to the prayers that you list on your action card on Sunday morning? Your written requests are important to us. Each Monday morning at the Monday morning prayer gathering, we devote time to your request, lifting each individual's need to God in prayer. Well, I started the prayer quilt ministry in 2005. We have several women in the church who make lap quilts. And um, then we put in these ties. And when we tie them, we say a prayer for the recipient. And we leave the ties long so that when this is delivered to someone, say she's in the hospital or home recuperating or in a nursing home, um, her family, her friends can say specific prayers for her and add more knots to the ties. And these about 15 years, we have given out uh, approximately 400 prayer quilts, which kind of boggles my mind. <laughs> Another opportunity for prayer is our prayer chain team. Send us your email and each week a list of all the prayer requests, upcoming surgery needs, sympathies, and other needs of our church family will be sent to you. Did you know that our prayer walking team prays for each worship center before Sunday morning worship to offer a blessing for all those who enter their space? 
Do you take time to sign your name to our weekly prayer cards set outside each worship center on Sunday morning? You may not know the person or their needs, but our Heavenly Father knows them and knows their needs and will offer comfort through your prayer. This is one of the prayer cards that I received when I was in the hospital and um, just means so much to me. Each time I would receive one, uh, everyone has signed this. Uh, several of these people are friends and when I read the name of my friends, I can just feel their hugs. <laughs> and for all the people who, whom I've never met, um, I just appreciate that they've taken the time to sign their names as well. Yes, we have many opportunities to pray each week, but we need you as a prayer warrior to become part of our prayer groups and talk with God each day. Make prayer a habit during the Lenten season. If you wish to be part of any of our prayer support groups, contact the church office. Prayer makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference. Lois was in the first service today. It sure made a difference for her. So the concept is to think about praying five times a day. I don't have to tell you you should pray, right? You, you, you know that, right? The trouble is reminding ourselves and the busyness of our day and all the pressures and stresses to actually do it. So think about five times. The thumb is for when you get out of bed. The next three are for meal times or any other time that's better for you. And the pinky is when you go to bed at night. And it works. My grandson was in the first service. He's two years old. And my daughter, tells, Kelsey, said, while I was talking about this, he raised up his hand and pointed out his hand to her. It's a simple concept, but it helps us remember to do what we ought to do, what we already know we should do. We're also giving you an insert that we hope that you'll put someplace that you'll see it to remind you. And it's got four of the most popular prayer practices that have been part of Christian history since the third century. They're four of my favorites. The first one, Lectio Divina, it's a good one to do with that thumb and with that pinky either when you first get out of bed, especially if you just don't know exactly what to pray about. Get a Bible out, find a passage or a parable, and you you read it three to four times. You read it first time just to get a sense of the scene and try to visualize it. You read it a second time to start asking God to help point out phrases or words that should start jumping out at you. The third time, read it again and ask God, what, what are you trying to tell me when I listen to this passage? And then if you want to spend that time after that just dwelling in the presence of God that you've created by the time you put there. That's Lectio Divina. The examine is something that Pastor Aaron challenged us with when he went on his sabbatical this summer. It's a very simple concept of thinking through the day. You can do it before the day if you want to think through what you got coming up during the day. For me, it works best at night to revisualize and relive all the experiences, all the people I talk to, but to do so by looking at it through the eyes of God. It's amazing things that I didn't notice before. Sometimes it prompts me to take action, write a note, or follow up on somebody when I miss something that I should have seen. 
the next two are kind of alike. The first one's the Jesus prayer, and it comes off the lips of the tax collector in the parable that Jesus told. And it's been one that's been used by the church fathers for a long time to help Christians center. If you're like me, sometimes you start praying and your mind starts wandering into the things you got to do. This is a way to bring you back to center. And it's very simple. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Can you repeat it with me? God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Anytime you start to wonder, just keep saying that. And it'll bring you back and get centered and connect with God. That Jesus prayer can also be a breath prayer. And breath prayers are things to utilize especially throughout the day. And you do it by just taking a cleansing breath. Just take a deep breath. Let the stresses of the day leave you. And as you exhale, repeat the phrase that you've chosen to be your breath prayer. It can be the Jesus prayer. Or another great one comes from the 46th Psalm, which says, Be still and know I am God. One of my favorite ones is simply a short phrase that I say, God, use me. And I try to help center anytime I start a conversation or get on the phone or start to write an email to make sure that I'm trying to share what God wants me to share and just set my own thoughts. So these four things are all very practical ways to pray and pray better. I hope that you make use of them. Five doesn't sound like a lot. You can do more if you want, but five is a good place to start. It's easy how, it's just so apparent how easy it is to get caught up in our day and not even pray once. So use the hands. Let's be people who pray every day. Would you pray with me? Lord, help me to see the beauty of this world you've given to us. Help me to notice the blessings all around me. Help me to remember that you are God and I am not. Help me to trust that somehow you will see me through even the painful things in life and bring good from them. Grant me a grateful heart and finally help me to turn every task in life into an act of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. This time will now.